uh, quickly before uh, Hennessy drops in for Bangers and Mash, squeeze in a chat I had with Jordan Rake, whose uh, album, latest album, Wallflower, uh, just dropped. Um, well, a week ago today, Wallflower came out. It's a beautiful album. I highly encourage you to go listen to it. And uh, yeah, check out this chat I had uh, with Jordan right now. What's up, man? How are you? Good, good, good. It's Oscar from uh, Radio 1 down in Dunedin. Oh, sweet, man. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, really good. You in the really United... Good. Yeah? Um, no, no, I, I got back. I got back to London back to a London? couple of days ago, but my body clock is still in America. Yeah, so what, what, was, <laughs> so, what was your last yeah. show? Last show was San Francisco. We played a double show mm-hmm. uh, that night, um, and that was, that was crazy. Uh, and then the next day we flew home, so... We had to, you know, do double the effort on that night, and then, and then you come home to sort of um, cloudy England. So <laughs> it's not good to be back. <laughs> oh, it sucks, man. So was that was that show uh, the night of the Wallflower release? It's, yeah, exactly. So um, the whole night I just kept plugging the album. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was sort of uh, it was weird playing a tour when um, you know the, nothing was sort of out. It was like a tour where. You know, I played in New York, and it was the next week where the album's coming out, so we were holding off on some of the new tunes. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and then we... Uh, but also, America have never seen me play before, so we sort of had to play all the tunes, I guess, because um, they want to hear everything. So, yeah. It was, it was amazing, though. San really into it. They were really into the new stuff. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, you've described it yourself as being darker and more personal. Your second album, Wallflower, you've talked a lot about uh, anxiety and and it being cathartic for you. And I found that really interesting that you describe this album in particular as as being some sort of catharsis because I would have expected for a songwriter like yourself as that being part of your songwriting all along. But is it quite a new thing to feel that? It's... Yeah, it's definitely new because uh, my whole, I guess not career, but the whole life cycle of me writing music has been uh, usually me making a beat and then me just singing for the sake of singing so it would fit on the beat that I made. Uh, And moving to London, um, I guess discovering myself as a songwriter, um, sort of halfway through Clove, my last album, I was starting to get into, you know, deeper songwriting. And then with Wallflower, I was touching on, you know, only personal stuff. So it's sort of the first time I've done that. Uh, and then, yeah, sort of speaking about these topics was, you know, a relief for people to hear the songs, um, you know, because I, I don't say this stuff in person to people. It's, it's a lot easier to do over over music, so I feel like that's why it's cathartic for me. Yeah, well, I mean, you say you don't say it in person, but I think you've been uh, incredibly open about uh, some of those issues that uh, a lot of us face, uh, I guess, since you've released Wallflower and, and maybe a bit in the lead-up to it. But I guess, and then... But with your lyrics, I mean, it makes sense what you're saying because to me it's a much more lyrically deep and complex album than your previous three releases. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was the main focus going in because, um, you know, I wrote Heart of Cloak. Uh, these were beats that I had made or maybe instrumentals I'd played with a band that I would come in and, you know, fit melodies on top. Whereas uh, Wallflower was predominantly written on the guitar or the piano mm-hmm. and then we produced it afterwards. Um, so you know you can't really you can't really hide when it's just you and a keyboard. You can't really like get away with, I guess, lyrics that aren't really saying anything. So I was trying to approach it from that point, and then I think from there I started really getting into 
I don't know, uh, formulating a story uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just, I feel like it grew naturally. As I, as I wrote the album, it became easier and easier for me to sort of write more personally for sure. as it went along. Yeah. Um, has signing to a, a label like Ninja Tune changed the way you work or, or your process or, or anything particularly noticeable? I think it didn't at first. So when I when so I had written about seven um, seven tracks, and then they reached out and said we'd love to you know do the second album with you. Um, so I showed them those tracks, and then they're like, "Cool, come back later when you've written some more." Mm-hmm. And I showed them you know the new ones. So I showed them maybe like about eleven, and then they signed me after the back of those. And however, it was amazing when so after I'd signed with them, the way they because it's sort of like A and R is like a lost art these days but um the way the a and r at ninja sort of offered constructive criticism to me which i never used to be open for i never used to like take advice or um any sort of thing like that he would sort of say you know uh consider what is this song talking about is it really getting anywhere can we consider cutting it you know can we make this chorus shorter like what are you trying to say and um you know that, that that could be pretty extreme but for me i was so excited and i knew the legacy of ninja I felt like anything they were saying was like legit, so I was just taking it all, taking it all on board. And yeah, and to be honest, I came out with a much better album from it. You know, I would have released four interludes on there had they not, um, you know, told me to like write more song songs because that's what that's sort of what shines through at the end of the day. Like I think of all my favorite artists from the seventies. Yeah, all the chords are cool and the voices are cool, but like they have great songs. So that's why I really wanted to focus on the lyrics um, for this one. Yeah, for sure. So you're um, Aotearoa-born, obviously, in Hamilton, moved to Brisbane at age three, and now you're London-based, so you've, uh, I guess, only really uh, spent time in New Zealand uh, briefly and when touring and so on, but to me, your music sounds very Kiwi, I suppose, both through both the Franklin's Room, yeah. Groove Curse EP's Cloak, and, and this new release. So I wonder if you could talk a bit about that, and then also how being in these different locations has affected your music as well. Um, I think that's a really good point, because uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Australian artists go down that, um, or particularly in Brisbane, where I was growing up, they go down that uh, I guess indie pop or folk Route because that's big in Australia, you know, the storytelling mm. and all those Australian parents raise their kids on that sort of music. But my parents, um, you know, played loads of, um, I guess that classic, I call it the the classic Kiwi playlist, <laughs> all the Motown and all the reggae. Mm. Um, and, and I think from there, you know, I'm massively influenced by artists from New Zealand like Electric Wire Hustle and Fat Freddy Mm. Um, and then uh, so that's why you know that sort of underlying soul theme throughout is you know I think distinctively Kiwi which is sort of heavily influenced by like American music early American um, Mm. Kiwi music and reggae so I think that's the influence there but moving to London has broadened I guess the genre to now be a bit more uh, you know uh, I've been working with a lot of artists that like my friend Alpha Mist is a big influence and he makes very dark, melancholy music. I think because of London brings that out of out in you. So I think that element of Warflower now, it's a lot dark, you know, it's a lot darker. It's not as groovy. It's not as funky. You know, it's not, it's not something you party to. I think that's what London's brought out of me. And being in Brisbane um, was just me, you know, working alone all the time. So that was me discovering my sound. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think London has totally... Uh, shape the new the new record 
For sure. Um, so you talked about collaborating with lots of artists since you've been in London and, and in your previous records and, and on others' records, you know, the likes of Louis Baker, Solar Rosa, Jay Prince. I mean, the work you've done with Remy is probably my favourite of yours. But I'd like to know oh, a bit okay. more about how, how you collaborate. But also, this latest album only features uh, one other artist, uh, Kaya Dom- Thomas Dyke, on the title track. Is there a particular reason for that, uh, the, the sort of contrast? Um, well, because I feel like it was so personal, uh, I wanted to tell my own story. And I know Kaya really well. We, uh, when I moved here, we've been sort of, you know, keeping in contact um, from the beginning. And she is one of the only people I know, sort of one of the only vocalists I know that goes through the same stuff that I go through, maybe even more so, mm-hmm. where she struggles with like anxiety on a, high, on a high level and she's really shy and she's really introverted. So I knew that if there was ever going to be one person to, to sing on, on the album, it would be her because she, she wrote, you know, she comes from the same um, background. So sure. in that sense, that's why um, she's the only feature. But in terms of the other features, they've it's cool because they've all sort of worked organically. For example, the Remy one, um, I got him to sing on my tune uh, in Cloak and then he sent over an amazing beat which was Lou Sleep and I just mm. sort of jumped on it and we had we worked electronically at that point so we were like sending it back and forth via email because I was obviously in London but then um, it's cool because we performed that track live a couple of times and we never rehearsed it we just get up and, and the vibe is great because I feel like we come from again a similar place musically so yeah. um, I usually only do collaborations that I'm a massive fan of the artist or something so it might yeah it's been it's been great you know I've had a great collection of collaborations actually over the years I was thinking about it earlier today when I was trying to like remember all the all the people I've written for but I might have like eight or eight to ten features now or maybe even more I actually have lost track but Yeah, I'm massive fans of all of them. Well, I think I first first heard your name when um, that release of Esther's Reptilian Journey came out, and obviously that was you working as a producer. So as a producer as well, I mean, is that work mainly incorporated into making your own stuff, or are you still looking at producing other people's work? I think uh, at this, cause, uh, up until this point, I've only ever um, produced for myself, and I haven't really been like commissioned to do other stuff I've started working on some other things for other people but because uh, Wallflower has been such a big part of the last year I've been really busy on mm. just working on my own project but um, yeah I think production is a massive like that's the that's where I all started yeah. making the music was just producing in my bedroom making sort of like 90s hip hop stuff um, sampling you know jazz stuff onto the MPC and and that's the world I came from so it sort of feels a bit weird now to do this sort of strip back not acoustic, but you know, strip back singer songwriter stuff with yeah, interesting sure. production. I'm bringing sort of another level of that to it. So I'm learning more about how production can be more about shaping the album rather than, you know, programming drums or something, if you know what I mean, sort of yeah. the old sense of the word. So um, I think that's what I'm learning, especially the past year. That's what I've been learning. Mm. Fantastic. So you're touring extensively now. Like you said, you just finished your first USA tour. You're about to take on the UK and Europe. Um, it's a lot. So I've seen you just the once at a tiny Matterhorn show a couple of years ago in Wellington. And I guess, yeah, what's that like? Because to me, that set was so intimate. And I've seen um, sets you've played on this tour being described as quite intimate as well. But how do you create that environment in quite a different sort of space? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, it's it's a matter of what we like to do, especially in the band set, is we um, 
we come out with the the funkier stuff early, so you sort of got their attention and they're dancing and they're sort of having a good time. Mm. And then later towards set, uh, we started bringing in a few of the new songs. And on the album, uh, there's a, the first track, which starts off with like a two-minute ballad, then drops into this, um, I don't know, whatever it is, like a groove-based thing. Um, and usually when you play really, really quiet stuff, crowds start chatting over it. Mm. But I think when you draw them in early and you get their attention, when you go low, I feel like they go with you because they're, they're drawn into the show. So it's just a matter of, I think the order of a set list is really important. And that's mm. something I've learned past um, year touring in the UK and, 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 and Europe. But um, yeah, the upcoming tour, that's sort of what we're struggling with right now. It's like, you know, because the new album's so different, how do we fit that vibe in with the old, you know, mm. the hip hop stuff and then you know, even the reggae stuff from the first EP. So it's trying to work out a really seamless way of like creating the live narrative. Yeah. That it's a, you know it's like a good show, but um, you know it doesn't jump all over the place. So that's exciting. That's what we're excited about. Yeah, far right. Well, I hope uh, you're able to bring that show back to Aotearoa soon. Um, be awesome to yeah see that because honestly, and and it's so good to hear you're playing across all four of your releases now in your live set. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I mean. It's so exciting to have so, so much um, music. Mm. available so yeah yeah it's really 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 sick awesome I think uh, our time's just about up but I want to ask you one last question are you still meditating Jordan? yeah I'm trying to man mm. I think I've been a bit cloudy the last few months but I'm trying to get it back into the routine as much as possible um, when I get some free time like during the tour and after the tour but yeah man I want to get it back yeah I mean because when you mentioned that at that show I saw you play at it was um I inspirational in a sense before before playing your song on that topic and uh, yeah anyway um, I think we are just about oh, done, thank, thank you. you so much so much for for joining us here at Radio One thanks for the chat man and nice to meet you yeah and congratulations on the album it's truly fantastic cheers dude oh, I'll chat to you soon hopefully and there we got cut off uh, just as Jordan Rake was saying his goodbyes, I highly recommend you go and uh, check out his album Wallflower. I've been spinning a lot of uh, Jordan Rake on the show.